In 1 Timothy chapter 1, we're back in this verse number 18. It's Paul's writing to Timothy. He's giving him some advice about not shipwrecking his faith. And, and, and as one old minister said, you can't shipwreck what you don't have. So it's very possible for us to, to have faith and to hit the rocks, the wrong rocks. It is very possible to run shipwreck in our faith, and it is the devil that tries to pull the wool over our eyes to make us think that that's not going to happen to us. We have to be aware, and if Paul wrote to Timothy for this advice, I believe that we probably, like Timothy, need the same advice. We need to make sure that we're not going to run aground and shipwreck our own faith. Now, verse number 18, he says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Now, the, the warring a good warfare, now Paul's about to go into what that means. Okay, so it's awesome because you don't have to wonder. He explains what how to war a good warfare according to the Spirit. There's a, there's a particular way that we war a good warfare. And it's not by putting extra money in an offering plate. It's not by dancing. It's, it's, there's a particular way. But I want you to look at something. The warring and the good warfare, I want you to know that there's a battle. There's a battle for your soul. The enemy, the devil, he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for low-hanging fruit. He's looking for people whose faith is shipwrecked so that he may destroy and devour. Jesus says in John chapter 10 that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if we don't acknowledge that reality, we're already defeated. It is that reality that we must accept that there is an enemy, and that enemy is after to devour us, to destroy us, to steal, kill, and destroy. But praise be to God, Jesus came to give us life, and not only just give us life, but to give it more abundantly. So hallelujah for that. There is two options. We're either defeated, and we're being devoured, and we're being shipwrecked, or we've got life, and we've got it abundantly. There is no, look, God don't play with lukewarm. In the book of Revelation, he said, if you're lukewarm, he's going to spew you out of his mouth. So we see we're either in process of being devoured, in the process of being destroyed, in process of being shipwrecked, or we've got life and we've got it more abundantly. And glory to God, I want you to know that if you'll receive the Lord, he'll give you new life today. He'll, look, he'll take old things and make them new. He'll take people that have been washed up and he'll bring that fountain of living water through them. God, God loves to bring fountains in dry places. God loves to bring the, the water to the dry soul. But it's when you're thirsty that you cry cry out for water. Amen. And a lot of sadly, a lot of people wait till they're too thirsty. They wait till they're too thirsty to begin to go to that altar and cry out for the Lord. But I do want you to see that there's a war. There's a war for your soul. Do you acknowledge that? Would you acknowledge right now there's a war for your soul? There's a war for your attention. There's a war for your attention. There's a war for your faith going on. There's a battle raging right now that even as you listen to the word of God, the devil's on the prowl. Even as you go to church services, the devil's on the prowl to try to get you off course. 
Even as you begin to pray, how many times do you remember a bill you got to pay or somebody text message you? Every time you begin to set out for God, the enemy sets out for you. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Paul wrote this so that you'll know how to war a good warfare. You don't want to war a good warfare, you'll be devoured. And God gives us the choice. And here's the two options. Here's the two fundamentals of warring a good war. And that is holding faith and a good conscience. Holding faith and a good conscience. And don't worry, we're going to break that down. But I want you to see that it's simplistic. That's how God operates. We, we have a simple gospel and a, and a God that's unsearchable. It's a simple gospel of an unsearchable God. And that's how God operates. And here there's this warfare, but it's simple. It's just trusting the Lord, hold faith, and a good conscience. It's not about what you, it's not about what you bring to the table. It's about believing the Lord, holding on to it, and keeping the conscience clean, keeping the conscience good. And that's what we're going to get into tonight. Now, I want you to see that it says that, we'll just run through this verse. It says, holding faith and a good conscience which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Now they made shipwreck, how? Because they stopped having faith and they stopped having a good conscience. Once we begin to get lost on those two areas, we're setting ourselves up for the shipwreck. And the shipwreck is, uh, I don't know if you know this, but it's a very easy word to break down. You can even break it down in the English. Shipwreck. How about that? You don't need to know Greek, Latin, or Hebrew for that one. It's about wrecking the ship. And that's the devil's desire for us, isn't it? That's the devil's desire for us. But God's given us, God's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Holy Word. He's given us faith upon which we can stand. And now we look at that holding faith. What does it mean to hold faith? Well, our, our faith is not in ourselves. Our faith is in the Lord. Our faith is in what he did for us at Calvary. Our faith is in Jesus. Faith begins it is, and it always will be in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He started it, and he sustains it, and he's going to carry it all the way through. And if you want to be holding on to faith, you're going to have to hold on to Jesus. You're not going to be able to put faith in a man or, or a church or a doctrine or a denomination or a politician or money or any other thing. You have to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith don't belong in shots. Our faith don't belong in military. Our faith don't belong in men. Our faith don't belong in anything mortal, but something that is immortal, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our faith belongs. And when we begin to sell that short and we begin to put our faith in mortal things, we are losing what he's saying right there, we're beginning to lose a good warfare because we're not holding faith. Our faith is supposed to be hot. It's supposed to be holy. And it's supposed to be honest. It, those are the three criteria that we're looking at. We're looking for a faith that is hot, that is holy, and that is honest with God. What does it mean to be holy? It is to be pure as God is pure. Be ye holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. What does it mean to be hot? It means to be full of the Holy Ghost. It means to be full of the power of God, to pursue God from a position of Pentecost. 
It means to love God, desire God, and run after God, and run after what his heart is on. And I want you to know his heart is not on building churches up, but it's on sending the church out. It's about getting the church out into the highways and the byways to compel the lost to come into the kingdom of God. Not even necessarily our own churches, but just to get them into the kingdom of God, to get them saved, to get them filled with the Spirit of God, to touch them. And you, so many people, I don't know what my purpose in life is. Fulfill the Great Commission. Wherever you go, teach, preach, baptize, make disciples of men, lead people to Christ. That's, that's a purpose. That's a purpose. And so you, you don't need to go to seminary to do that. You just need to read Matthew 28 and do it. You need obedience. You don't need a diploma. You, people wait for a diploma when all they need is obedience to what God said to do. God will give you a diploma from heaven. How about that? Just do what the Lord said to do. That's what we need in the church in this hour. Now he says here that there's, there's these, these holding faith and a good conscience. What we said is there's, there's holiness, there's hotness, that's the pursuit of God, and then there's honesty. We, we broke it down into these three groups. Honesty, we're, we're tagging that on to conscience. Because that is about agreeing with God. Agreeing with God and being honest with God. In, in other words, confessing with God, getting things right between you and the Lord. It is about not allowing any sin in your life to remain. It's about not, not allowing any false pretenses in your life to remain. It is about not allowing those false things to stay in our own lives, but about being honest with God. God wants us to be honest with him so that we can lay those things bare before him. It's those, those, those that's why the altars are there. That's why God said that if, if we have any sin, that, that we can confess that sin. We can confess that sin. And it says that the blood of Jesus Christ, would, he would forgive us and cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. But we have to confess it. We have to confess it. And nobody confesses anything until they're ready to get honest with God. Amen. Nobody confesses anything until they're ready to get honest with God. Nobody can make you on, get ready for that except for you. you. You're the one that has to say, okay, Lord, I'm tired of holding back on you. Okay, Lord, I'm tired of going through the motions. Lord, I'm, I'm tired of faking this thing. I'm tired of lifting hands but not lifting my heart. I'm tired of singing but not knowing. I'm tired about. I'm tired of reading and not seeing. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of talking about a faith that I don't have, professing what I don't possess. I'm tired of it, God. I need the real thing. I need a touch from God. That's the first step. That honesty right there. That's the first step. You don't. You don't. You shouldn't feel bad about that. That's when healing begins to flow. It's like somebody that, that, you know, admitting there's a problem. That don't make it bad. That's when, that's when healing actually begins. When we acknowledge the reality. And that's what God's looking for in His people. It is about acknowledging the reality. And the greatest reality that we all have is that we're all sinners and we've all come short of the glory of God and we've had, we have need of the blood of Christ to atone for our sins, to cleanse us and to make us right with God, to save us and make us righteous. Now, honesty, that's what God's looking for. A good conscience. 
A good conscience. You see that? It says a good conscience. That's given to you at Calvary. You're not going to get a good conscience any other way. If you, if, you, if you think that you can clear your conscience outside of Calvary, you have been deceived by the devil and by doctrines of men. You've let self begin to, to shrink back from the atoning work of Christ. A good conscience is birthed at Calvary. And for the whole time that you live as a Christian, it'll always be that way. God's looking for you to come back to Calvary and to get that conscience back good. It's coming back to that fountain that flows at Calvary's hill where that blood flows from Emmanuel's veins and cleanses the unrighteous. Forgive sins, make whole, restore, and renew that's what God's looking for in our lives. God's looking for us to come to him broken and contrite and to, be, and, and to receive the full atonement at Calvary. So Calvary's where we get a good conscience. You don't get a good conscience by pleasing me or by pleasing others. You don't get a good conscience by doing better, trying harder. You don't get a good conscience by clapping louder, singing louder, dancing more. You don't get a good conscience by clicking your heels or putting money in an offering plate. You don't get a good conscience by doing this, that, or the other. That will soothe, that will soothe the flesh, but not the spirit. Your spirit, your, your spirit man knows it is the blood of Christ and the blood of Christ alone that will bring healing to your conscience. And, and, and you'll know that. You'll know that within. You'll know that you know that you know. Now turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to dig down deep a little bit on this. It is Christ's blood that we need. Hebrews chapter number 9, and we're going to go down to verse number 13. Hebrews chapter 9, we're going to go down to verse number 13. That honesty with God is, is what we need in order to, to bring that conscience clear. It says in verse 13, For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of flesh. Now, that, you know that's Old Testament, right? That, that's, that's how the Old Testament, that's how you purify things in the Old Testament. Sacrifice. It was a form of worship. It was a form of worship. Look at this. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You see, before we can serve God in reality, we have to be purged from those dead works. We have to have a good conscience. That means we have to actually come in contact spiritually with the blood of Christ. We have to be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, and it will not only purge us from dead works, but it will give us a good conscience so that we can serve God in reality and not in pretense. And when I say serve God, I'm not talking about serving serving on a committee, or filling out a paper. When I say serve God, I'm saying service to God, which is worship to God. I'm talking about laying down on our face with a clean conscience, knowing we've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. There's nothing wrong in us because it's been covered by the blood. The old has passed away. The new has come. We've been purged from that which is dead, that which is rotten, that which is in the past, and God has made made us new because we've been covered by the blood of the lamb 
Now we can serve the living God. Now our worship is real. Now our song is reality. Now when we, when, we, when we do anything for God, it births from this place of purity and holiness and hotness and honesty with God. Now it's coming in the reality that God truly desires. It's coming from this place where it's been touched by God. We, 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 brought our, we brought our dead works to the Lord. We brought our issues. How many of you know sometimes the issues you we brought our issues. Sometimes the issues other people in your home. Sometimes it's things that haunt you from your past. But you bring those things to the altar. You put it under the blood. You say, Lord, this thing's bigger than me. I can't do anything with it. I need help with this. I need you to move this mountain. And you give those things to the Lord. And you know what? God touches those things. God touches those things. And I, I don't know what you need purged from, but I can tell you, God wants to purge you and make you whole. God wants to purge you, cleanse you. He wants to sanctify you. He wants to consecrate you. He doesn't want these issues to beset you any longer. And it takes you coming to the Lord and allowing the Holy Ghost to apply the blood to your soul. It takes the Holy Ghost applying the blood to that issue. And when we do, we know we're made new we know he's purged and he's cleansed and he separated us from the dead works and the dead works there are, are things that we know God does not is not pleased with that's what the dead works are right now is it possible to worship God and to worship God in pretense is it is it possible to go through the motions do you think that God is pleased when we go through the motions? Do you think that God, you know, sometimes you may, not, you, you may not like somebody, but you text them and say, I care about you, but you really don't? Like, only God knows the reality, right? But does God desire that type of worship from us? To worship Him when, when we don't have that clean conscience, that good conscience that's been purged by the blood? Because see, there's a difference. There's a difference when somebody has that, that guilty conscience, when somebody has that stain that's holding them back, they're reserved. The fountain doesn't flow. The joy's not there. You can hear it. You can see it. You can feel it. But when somebody's been touched by God, when somebody's been set free from their sin, when somebody's been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, you can also see it, hear it, and feel it. You say, man, I want some of that. I want to be cleansed by that. I need to get in that river. I want to be touched from that river that flows from Emmanuel's veins. It flows from the throne of God and it touches all the children of God. All who are weary come. All who are thirsty come. All who need a touch from God come. And we know that God, he has enough to touch each and every one of us. And that's God's desire. And that's God's desire. Now, there's, there's a reality that I want to touch on on this because it's honesty that God's looking for. In, in order for you to be purged, you have to come to God and say, Lord, I need to be purged. And it's not rocket science. It's just being honest with God. It's about having contrition with God and saying, Lord, there's, there's something in me that's not right. There's something holding me back. It, you, you, you know, your flesh is a liar. Your flesh will, will deceive you. And you may not even be able to recall what the issue is, but in your spirit, man, you know there's a problem. You know that there's trouble in paradise. 
And that's when you say, Lord, I don't even know what it is, but I feel something's not right. And Lord, I, I can't see it, but Lord, would you put your finger on it? And if you would dare to pray that, I promise you, God will put his finger on something. God will put his finger on something. He'll, he'll remind you of something. He'll pull something, but he'll, he'll touch on it. And it's those issues that God's looking for you. He's looking for you to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I've come to you, Lord. Uh, I, I ask for forgiveness. I need the blood of the Lamb. I'm sorry. And if you'll confess those things, the Bible says he's faithful, not only faithful, but he's faithful and just. That means it is the right thing for him to do. When you call on the name of Jesus and you look for the blood of the lamb, the blood of the lamb is powerful enough and it is the right thing according to the economy of the kingdom of God. He will supply your every need when it comes to purging you from the dead works. Amen? And we all have those dead works. We all have issues and, and and God wants you to and the reason that this is important is because God doesn't want you to shipwreck your faith God wants you to be able to navigate through these choppy waters nobody gets an exemption card from choppy waters everybody's got to go through choppy waters your choppy waters are yours mine are mine you might say well your your choppy waters aren't bad I, if I had that I'd be sailing I'd be smooth sailing well you don't know that because you don't live in those shoes you don't live in that body you don't know the temptations of the devil you don't know the battles that they've gone through you don't know the fights that they've been in and so what you need to know is that you should be concerned with navigating your own ship so that you don't shipwreck your faith so that you don't run aground and part of that is part of that is holding faith and a good conscience the only way you're going to get a good conscience is by this verse right here you can't get a good conscience any other way. The only way you're going to get a good conscience is by coming to the altar, coming to the Lord, bowing down before Him, and receiving Christ as the atonement for your sin. Is receiving that cleansing from within. Now, is it possible to worship the Lord in vanity? Is it possible to worship the Lord in vain? Turn with me to, to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter number one. But I, I wanted you to see that order of worship. Because that, that order in Hebrews 9, he said that you would be cleansed, you would be purged, then you could serve God. Why is that important? Why is it important to be purged before you can actually serve God? Because God's not looking for vain worship. God's not looking for vain worship. God's not looking for vanity. God's not looking for you to, to, to give him vain worship. You know how I know that? This chapter right here, Isaiah chapter 1. This, this right here, it speaks volumes. Because there's actually a time. There's actually a time when God didn't want any sacrifices. There's actually a time when God said, I don't want you to keep the Sabbath. Now, now, for Old Testament saints and for these people that are all tripped up in the Hebrew, that, that'll blow your mind. But it is a reality that God wants you to know. There was actually a time when God didn't want anybody keeping their Sabbath. He didn't want anybody sacrificing. He was tired of it. And I have to wonder how, how it is in our generation. Because we have a business. 
We have a business. The, the, the Christian music is a business today. You can't sing certain songs without paying money every year. You can't do this, that, or the other. You got to buy this. You got to buy that. It's a, it's a, it is a, a business. And, and look, you can go through all the Rolodex of theological terms that you want, but if it's not coming from a heart of repentance, it's vain. It's vain. Look at this in, in Isaiah chapter 1. Look at verse number 9. He said, Except the Lord of hosts had left us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like Gomorrah. That tells you God's likening the nation right here to Sodom and Gomorrah. Not good. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ears unto the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Now ask yourself, was Sodom and Gomorrah in existence at this time? No. No, it was not. It was already destroyed. God was speaking through Isaiah, and he was calling the rulers of Israel rulers of Sodom and Gomorrah. How would you like that? If God looked at the rulers of the church today, what if he called the rulers of the church, the leaders of the church today, rulers of Sodom and Gomorrah? How sad would that be? How sad would that be? But look at the state of the church today. Now here you see this. Look at verse number 11. He says, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, says the Lord? I'm full of the burnt offerings of rams, of the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with it. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hates. Now, you know what the feasts were? That's the Passover. That's unleavened bread. That's Rosh Hashanah. That's the, the trumpets. The Day of Atonement. All these feasts, God said He hated God told Old Testament saints to do those things, but they were not doing them with a clean and good conscience. They were doing them out of pretense, not out of purity. And when they began to worship the Lord this way, God said, I cannot away with it. Your feasts I hate. Now, that's powerful stuff. It says, your new moon's your appointed fees, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Now, you, you can get into debates about what the, the hands being full of blood means, but the simple reality is, is they had sin that was not being confessed. They had sin issues that they were not bringing to God. 
They were going to the temple of God. They were worshiping God. They were bringing the right lambs, the right he-goats. They were bringing the right bulls. They were bringing the right incense. They were worshiping God on the correct days. They were bringing and doing everything that they were supposed to do except for one thing, their hearts. And it's the same way today. We can bring God trumpets and trombones and drums and marching processions and loud this and beautiful that, but if it doesn't come from a right heart made right by the blood of the Lamb, if it doesn't come from a place of consecration, a good conscience that has been cleansed by the holy blood of Jesus, if it doesn't come from that, it's vain. It's vain. He actually said, my soul hates How would you like to do something that God said, my soul hates that? That's powerful. That's deep. And that's things that the church world today, they don't want to frolic in that. That's not a happy tune. You can't can't trademark that verse, God's soul hates me. Stick that on the refrigerator. Put that on a bumper sticker. Not going to happen. But the reality is, is that the reason that God said my soul hates it is because he desired a change of course. The reason that God brought correction to Israel is not just to put his foot down on them, but to bring them and lead them to a place of correction because he's a loving father. And he did not want them to run shipwreck. He didn't want to have to divorce them. He didn't want to have to scatter them to the winds. But he wanted relationship. He wanted honesty. He wanted a good conscience. He wanted a whole heart. And he wants the same thing from us today. It's not that God is, is, is unmerciful and it's not that He's, he's, he's mean and, and, and that He just desires to, to see you put down. He puts that there. He said, my soul hates this to get their attention so that they know they're on the wrong course. And if they continue going this way, shipwreck is inevitable. And in our own lives, in our own lives, if we continue worshiping and continue going here and going there, but not having a a heart cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, not from a heart that is flowing from the joy of the fountain of the Lord, if we're worshiping God in pretense, but not in purity, if we're professing what we don't possess, then what we're doing is vain worship, and God hates it. We have more worship songs in America today than there ever has been. We wrote more worship songs in America than there ever has been, but it's not for the right reason. It's not for the right reason. People write worship songs and they trademark them so they can sell them. When John Wesley and Charles Wesley wrote their hymn books, they gave them out. He didn't collect funds, he gave funds. They were raised wealthy individuals and he died with nothing. He died with nothing. He died with nothing. But he had churches from England all the way to America. He had a denomination. He had hymn books. He had devotional books. He, had, he literally gave all that he had to the kingdom of God to see it advance. The exact opposite of today's church world. The CCM, the, 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 the Christian music industry, the business is all about bringing the money in. It's not about getting the gospel out. 
When you charge money for concerts and you, you got to charge money for worship, it's not worship. Oh, we got a worship concert, $25 a head. That's not worship. That's not worship. God's looking for people to worship Him in purity of heart, holiness of heart, a, a consecrated heart, a heart that has been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. I said earlier, you, 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 you know, today, the, the church today, they think that you can use a, you know, a Rolodex of theological terms, right? You just, what they do is they find a Rolodex of theological terms, see the ones that rhyme, and make a song up. Singing about a God, we don't know. God doesn't want theological words set to rock music and call it worship when our hearts aren't there. When our hearts aren't there. If our hearts are there, it's a different ordeal. But, but he's looking for the heart first, not the sound, not the words. He's looking for the heart first. We, we go in opposite. We, what sounds good? I like that sound. I like this. I like that. God likes hearts. That's why I thank God. I can't carry a tune in a bucket, but I thank God it's a sweet sound in his ear. <laughs> it might not be a sweet sound in anybody else's ear, but it's a sweet sound in his ear because I'm going to worship from a place that's been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Glory to God. Thank the Lord for those things. God's looking, God's looking for a church that gets stirred up about being pure. They get stirred up about being holy. They get stirred up about having a good conscience. The only way you can get that good conscience is by coming back to the Lord, laying those things down. You may say, Pastor, come on now. Come on, just pray. Say, Lord, what is, is there anything in me that's keeping me back? Is there anything that is defiling my conscience with you? You see, in the way that you know in reality is because your worship's not what it once was. Your prayer life's not what it once was. Your reading of the scripture's not what it once was. Your, your hotness for God is not what it once was. Your holiness is just an outward commotion. It's not an inward transformation. It, it, is, it is about pursuing God from that inward place. God's looking for the church to come to this place where we reason with God. God desired that they first get things right, then worship. You see that? It, I want you to see, God, God was not denigrating the Sabbath or the feast. He wasn't denigrating the new moons. He wasn't denigrating any of that. He was denigrating the people. He, he didn't say, my feast I hate. He said, the way you do it I hate. You doing it bothered God. And I have to wonder how many times in churches today when we get caught up in the smoke and mirrors, you know what I mean? The laser lights, the show, the, fla the flare, the flamboyance of the church worship where we have all these theological words but our heart is far from God. And you have to wonder, does God see that the same way? I believe He does. I believe He does. Now, but I, I said that to say this. God is not bringing correction to the nation of Israel just so that he can bring correction to the nation of Israel, but so that he can get them corrected on the right path. And that's what he wants for you and for me.
It's not that God just wants to harp on you about, you know, get those issues to that altar, bring those things to the Lord, make sure. It's not about just harping. It's because God wants to bring you into a correct path so that you don't shipwreck your faith. It's those, it's those people that don't think they're going to shipwreck that are setting themselves up for shipwreck. I got this. I got this. I'm coasting. I know. I know. You may know and not do. That's a dangerous place. Because shipwreck is possible. Look, it don't matter. Judas walked, ate, talked, and heard every sermon Jesus preached and still shipwrecked his faith. He saw every miracle. He was there. And still shipwrecked. You might have been in some good church services. You might know some stuff. But if you don't come to that reality and understand it's possible to shipwreck your faith, you're being deceived. God's looking for us to worship Him. To worship Him with an honest heart. An honest heart. God's looking for us to worship Him with an honest heart. Now, let's continue on. It says in verse 16, Wash you, wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. In other words, like Jesus told the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more, right? Learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. And verse 18, come now and let us reason together says the Lord though your sins be as scarlet they shall be as white as snow though they be red like crimson they shall be as wool this is the promise to you and to me and to everyone listening you see God God knows that we have issues God knows that we have struggles God knows that faith is a fight and if we're not warring a good warfare we're missing we're being devoured but what he's telling Israel here, he's not cutting them off. He's not saying, get out of here and don't you ever come back. He's not doing any of that. He said, come, let us reason. Meaning, come to me, listen to me, sit at my feet, let's get this right. Your sins, though they're like scarlet, they're going to be white as snow. That's God's desire. God's desire is reconciliation. God's desire is restoration. God's desire is to purify His bride. His desire is to make us whole again, to restore joy in our soul so that we don't have to sing, I've got the joy, 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 like I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. He wants to restore the reality so that we don't have a pretense, but we have a possession. We have a faith that is alive. We have a spirit that is alive. We have a living reality on the inside. As it says, Christ in us is the hope of glory. Is He alive in us? Is He alive in us? Now, I will run this over to the New Testament just to close it out in James chapter number 4. But I will tell you as you turn over there that Jesus actually went in on worship if you remember the woman at the well, that same woman, he said that God desires those who worship him in spirit and in truth. 
Why is that important to this message? Because I just showed you, Israel was worshiping in truth, but not in spirit. They were doing the right thing, but it was not coming from the right place. And you and I can do the same thing. We, we, we can. It is possible for you to do the right thing, but not do it from the right place. And that, that's what Israel got caught up in. It's, it's possible for people to have church for the wrong reasons. Right? I've seen people take communion for the wrong reasons. I've seen people take up offerings for the wrong reasons. And Lord only knows what else there is going on. But I want you to see this reality. God desires us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. That is to do the right thing and that it be birthed from the right source. Because you can sing the right words and not mean them. You can say the right words and not mean them. Isn't, God's not moved by words. I mean, how many times did the Lord Jesus tell the, to tell the Pharisees, it's in vain that you worship. These vain oblations, they were more focused on the things that they said, but not what they did. And so in, a lot of times in the church world, it's the same way. People, people say the right words. We can sing the right words. We can teach the right words. You can, look, you, you can go buy one of those $50 books. I don't recommend it, but you can go buy it. $50 book, Systematic Theology. You can memorize the whole thing and be lost as a duck. You can do it. You can know the right things, but not have a change of heart. God's looking for holiness of heart. And the, the, the awesome thing about it is if you'll step out and trust God for that holiness of heart, God will meet you right there, and the fountain of living water will begin to flow in your life. You, you'll bypass the crowd. You'll go past the priest. You'll go past the, the pauper. You'll go past all those things, and you'll go right to the throne and obtain mercy for your hour of need. That fountain of living water will begin to flow from within you and through you and all around you. Why? Because you done got right with God. You done got touched by God. God's done moved in your life, and that's what the world needs today. They need the reality of the fountain of living water flowing through the church again. Amen. And God's not going to flow that river through a church that worships in pretense. You want to see our families move? We want to see our loved ones move? Let's let the fountain of living water begin to flow through our lives again. Let's get our lives right with God and let the fountain flow and God will do what He does. God will do what he does. James chapter 4, verse number 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. God's waiting on you to draw. God's waiting on you to come near. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. Look, I want you to see there's this tie-in. There's a tie-in. Before you can draw near to God, there's a cleansing that has to take place. Conscience has to be cleansed. Draw near to God. He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, 
you double-minded. You see, I want you to see there's a correlation. Anytime you're going to grow in God, anytime you're going to draw closer to God, anytime you're going to move into that place that God wants you to be, there's going to have to be a purification that takes place. Throughout our, all our lives, we need to be purified. We need to be purified daily. We need to come to that fountain that flows from Emmanuel's veins. Let him search us. Let him try us. And let him remove the guilty stains within us. Let him heal us. Let him bring deliverance. Let him bring that fountain of living water. But it takes us coming to him and allowing him to purify us. That's what God's looking for. Lest we shipwreck our faith. I'm not preaching for all stars. I'm not preaching about how to get in the choir. I'm not preaching about how to get in this and how to do that. I'm not preaching about how you can get to the next level. I'm preaching about how you can, how you can navigate through choppy waters and not shipwreck. That's what I'm preaching on. How you can get through the hard times with God's help and not shipwreck your faith. The reality of the matter is God's looking for us to hold on to faith and to hold a good conscience. And the way that we see that worked out is with holiness of heart. Holiness of heart. A hotness in pursuit of God and His kingdom. And honesty with God. Being honest with God. Bringing yourself before God. And letting Him, letting him purify us. That's what God's looking for. Are you willing to come and be purified? Are you willing for God to do whatever he needs to do? If you're willing, God's willing. If you're willing, God's willing. There's no sin. There's no sin that the blood of Jesus can't atone for. There's no guilty stain that the blood can't cleanse. But God's waiting on us to come to him. If you'll come, believe on the Lord Jesus, confess, repent. Repent. You might say, Brother Kenny, I, 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 you know, I hear you. I feel you. But I'm not exactly sure. I can't put my finger on it. That's okay, because the Holy Spirit can. And you can just say, Lord, I don't know. There's something in me that I need to repent for. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. But it's there. Maybe you need to pray in the Holy Ghost. Whatever it takes, come to the Lord. And watch what he 